Welcome to Improv Interviews with Margot Escott, a psychotherapist in Naples, Florida, who is using her 35 years of experience to develop improvisation programs, benefiting and improving the lives of those with emotional and physical challenges. Improv Interviews brings together the world's leading improvisational theater masters, founders, and innovators who are using improvisation therapeutically in unique and surprising ways. With great guests that include legends like Ed Asner and Aretha Sills, you're sure to learn something new about improvisation. This is Improv Interviews with your host, Margot Escott. Hi. I'm here Hi. today with Phil Fass or Face. Fess. It's the weirdest last name ever. Fess. Fess, like Fess Parker, huh? Yes, like Fess Parker. And I don't use that name because Fess Parker, I don't people, I don't think people know the actor. Yeah. But, all, but you know, you can say Fess Parker, you know, Davy Crockett. But I think that's lost on a lot of people nowadays. Yeah, only us old folks know it, Phil. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, what a great guy you are and what a funny person you are. And I always like to start with the improv journey, but maybe we should do a scene right from the get go. Okay. And we could do any kind of scene you want, or we could play sing it, or we could do whatever you want. Sure. I'm comfortable with anything. Are you inclined to do anything yourself? Margo? Yes, I'm inclined to do anything myself. No suggestions. Okay. You, you killed it out there. Oh, Frederico. That means so much to me. You mean so much to that audience. Did you feel how you connected with them? You're a star, Allison. You are a star. Yes, I am a bright and shining star shining for all the fans who adore me so much. But without your tutelage, where would I be? Exactly. Don't you forget, Federico. Mi amor, muy amable. Me gusta. Do not ever forget your mentor, your coach, Federico. So it would it would be hard to forget you, I think, Frederico. But you know, I've I've learned that I do not need to credit you anymore because I'm standing out on my own. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I love you and adore you. You know I do. But I'm standing on my own now. <laughs> this is apparent, and yet forever, I will be in your shadow. Oh, my darling. Yes, you will be in my shadow. And you are so right. The audience, I can feel the heat of their passion and their love, just like I used to feel the heat and passion of your love. Oh, a dagger to the heart. Must you bring that up constantly? <gasps> but alas, go on. Be the shining star that you are supposed to be. I love you so much, you'll never know. But at this time in my life, you have to go. I love you so much, you have to see that me, Federico, is green with envy. I'm sorry, mi amor, I must part. But call me sometime, won't you? Oh, of, of course I will. Ciao, baby. Ciao, Bella. <laughs> well, that was fun. <laughs> I had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am 
a star. Don't forget it. <laughs> that was great. That was fun. I this I I know we've been playing in these improv virtual improv spaces and it can be tough, but I I'm a big fan of long form duo uh play. And it just felt so easy and comfortable with you. And we discovered that together. And it's funny how the medium of improvisation can still work, even with this restriction of, you know, having to do it through a computer, et cetera. Right. Oh, no, absolutely. I'm I'm Zooming all the way. I'm a Zoom girl. <laughs> I got, a I got a Zoom tattoo and, and uh, web link over here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm totally. I have, I have a QR code on my on my arm. I have it tattooed there. <laughs> uh, uh, so we can just laugh the whole time. Sure, I'm fine with that. Wow, you're so you're so adorable. So, um, let me know a little bit about your improv journey. I mean, were you acting in school or just acting out or what was your childhood like? Yes, um, I was a shy child and wow. I discovered theater in high school and it opened up a whole new world to me. Um, and I was a sophomore, yeah. And I was cast in the diary of Anne Frank. And it was like the first play I ever did. And that's a a deep subject, of course, but I played her love interest. And wow. acting was one thing. And it just I just felt like it came so naturally to me, but it was such a deep subject and yeah. um really resonated with me and and audiences, of course. And that was my introduction to theater. And the director, who was also my drama teacher, she at the time introduced I and my classmates to improv exercises. And I didn't know at the time that what we were doing were <laughs> improv exercises until much later when I would reflect on my days in high school. And I was like, oh, shoot, she was doing stuff that I'm doing today in improv as a coach, instructor and student of it. So when you get your Oscar, will you be naming that teacher? Of course, yes. And she's she's um I still have a relationship with her, uh, albeit on Facebook, but she's <laughs> she's <laughs> a wonderful lady, Carol Lohman. And uh she came to one of my one-man shows recently that I did here in Vegas, and she remembers all of her students, and I think Aww. is still teaching I think she's still teaching she has yet to retire so that's one where did you go to high school so uh <laughs> the name of the high school is Bonanza and it's here, <laughs> it's here in Las Vegas I literally live just a few blocks from it so and there's a theater named for her that they just built uh on the school campus and yeah I'm 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 Vegas is home Margo. So. <laughs> oh, isn't that great? I love Vegas. I was only there once, but I had a native with me and uh, uh, that lived there rather. And so uh, uh, she drove me to all the obscure places that you wouldn't see if you were just on that strip place. So well, and that's what that's where the magic happens. I, I love that you call it that strip place, you know, which is what everyone is attracted to. But there's so much more here in Las Vegas that many don't know about. And I am not educated about those places, but there are so many other fun things than what you can find on the strip here in our community. Um, and again, that's where I continue to do improv. There's a whole uh, community that's kind of begun to blossom downtown and um, I perform there. It's called the Arts District. And again, that's a little off the beaten path away from the strip and locals have discovered it. And I think... Um, visitors as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, when I was there, my friend gave me a tour of all the Elvis chapels, but then went to several improv clubs that were there a few years ago. I was there in Vegas. Nice. So it was nice. really fun. So what was the name of the place where you're performing the art? It's called the Arts District and the theater is uh, Vegas 
Theater Company and the resident troupe there, they're called Bleach and they have been together for several years and they do a Thursday night show there. So if anyone listening wants to uh, look at it, bleachimprov.com or Vegas Theater Company, enter those terms in your search and it'll come up. And um, uh, the music director, Faustino Solis, uh, along oh, with that. Oh, a, a wonderful soul. Yeah. So much. <laughs> oh my God, I love him. He, uh, he knows, he, we always kind of check in before the show. He knows he can rely on, he can play an offering and I will be one of the first to jump in and start singing. So uh, it's just, they're so connected as a troop Bleach is. And he, when he's with us, it's even that much more amazing. When he's not there on certain nights, you kind of feel like you're lacking something because that music brings such an yeah. element to it even if it's just an underscore and not necessarily a song right. so. no he's an incredible genius i just adore him wonderful so um did you ever get into any musicals or comedies while you were still in high school or was that it yeah i was completely drawn to comedy i think much of my high school um career if you will or my high school experience i I uh, was drawn more to comedic um, performances. Um, I did get, we we did Little Abner when I was a junior in high school and I had a blast. And again, and when you say Little Abner today, I don't think like much like Fess Parker, I don't know that anybody knows what we're talking about, <laughs> but great fun musical and I had a blast. So that was my kind of my first introduction being a musical performer and it was just a great time wonderful so um and your fa is your family still there in vegas you have mm -hmm. siblings parents uh my mom is here my dad passed away about seven to eight years ago uh but my mom is here and she literally just lives a few blocks away from me as well so i'm i'm in the cradle of where i grew up essentially uh i think that's wonderful and what about siblings any sibs so uh, my family tree is, I don't want to say disjointed, but there's many branches. All right. And my father was rather prolific when it came to marriage. Uh -huh. So <laughs> <laughs> this is where the, this is where the analysis comes in. So I'll tell you my story. But so before he met my mom, he was married and had two children. So I have two half brothers by his first marriage when he married my mother I was the only child from that communion and then he went on to marry again after they divorced uh and I ended up with step siblings from his third wife's first marriage <laughs> I love it. I love it's it. a little, yeah, it's a little crazy, but uh, fun nonetheless. <laughs> I bet it is. I bet it is. As a therapist, I often do something called the genogram, where we do a family tree and we put, you know, mm -hmm. all the people, and and so it's always a fun. Your yours would be very colorful with all the different colors we would be using. Yeah, I a lot of different colors and shades of what have you but yeah it's 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 an interesting tree to, to say the least <laughs> <laughs> so after high school what did you do i went right to college and i of course was attracted to theater there i went to um northern arizona university in flagstaff just a very earthy huh? school have you been yourself to flagstaff arizona or no i haven't I haven't. So it's right in the, it's backyard is like the Grand Canyon, <laughs> essentially. Wow. And it's, it's uh, when I was going to school, there was a pretty small community, but it's grown much. But um, it was humbling because I was very active in theater in high school, as, as I mentioned. And when I got there, uh, the show that was being mounted my freshman year was Sweeney Todd. Yeah. And I, which is one of my favorite, favorite yeah. musicals, yeah. and I auditioned and got called back, etc. And I was in the running to play Toby, the kind of assistant to um, right. Sweeney Todd. Yeah. And I didn't get it. And it was, oh. just, it was down oh. to me and one other person. And my, uh, 
I mean, I'm sure you could tell, you know, the caliber of my singing voice in our little play at the top. But back then I was going up against people that were trained operatically. And I just, I don't have that in my toolkit. So the person who sang much better than I got it, uh, which is fine. Uh, but I just remember being very disappointed as a yeah. young Las Vegas uh kid showing up at college in Arizona and not getting cast in his first role his freshman year. Well, were you in the chorus or were you in it at all or not? So I took choir in college because I was like, I better learn how to sing. But the silly thing was, is I took choir, but I didn't take singing lessons. So right. it, gave, it gave me exposure to the mechanics of singing a little bit and performance. But to this day, I can't read sheet music. I oh. can improvise the hell out of the song yes, you if you can. ask me to. Yes, you can. So, <laughs> but in Sweeney Todd, were you cast as anything in Sweeney Todd? No, I didn't make the show. But Redemption, yes. Redemption Arc. Uh, out of college, I went to work at uh, Walt Disney World. Which is how close are you to Disney World? Uh, four hours. Four hours. So four hours from Naples. Anyway. Uh, oh, wait, wait, hold on. Yeah. Now, 20 years ago, yeah. I was at Disney in Orlando mm -hmm. and I was in the Tiki room and huh. I think I met you there. You, yes, you did. <laughs> I, I worked for several years at uh, Walt Disney World Adventureland and I was part of uh, the working rotation that um, talked to the birds at the Tiki room. Yes. <laughs> and also monitored guest traffic at the Swiss family treehouse. But, wow. <laughs> but, but anyway, there was a, um, uh, a, an outcropping of uh, Disney employees that I kind of uh, fell into like with. Um, and they put on productions um, after hours, like the park would close. And we would take up residence in a theater. There's many attractions at Disney World right. that have that have theaters already yeah, yeah. there. So we would go into one of the um, empty theaters at night and put on shows. So I rehearsed. Uh, I got into a production of Sweeney Todd that they did there, the chorus, and I had a great time. So didn't play Toby, but uh, the chorus was probably even more fun. So I had a great time doing Sweeney at Walt Disney World. <laughs> Well, that music, I mean, Soundheim, of course, you know, what, but the music in Sweeney Todd, I just love it. I used to co-direct at a children's theater and we uh -huh. did Sweeney Todd. So, uh -huh. of course, I learned everything because I was there at every rehearsal and right. I just love that music and just great. So when you were at Disney, I think I saw one of your podcasts with another fellow who had worked at Disney. I can't think of his name right now. But okay. Uh, so what did you live underground with the other characters? Or yeah, you... it's funny. The the um, mechanics, if you will, they have what's called a utilidor. It's kind of a little Disney secret. I don't think it's a big secret. But when they built the Magic Kingdom back in the early 70s, Walt himself, uh, when he built Disneyland, didn't like that. He was very big on theming and making sure that there was a story and that nothing took away from the theming, et cetera. But at Disneyland, the employees couldn't like get to their work locations. Like someone from Frontierland would have to cross through Tomorrowland right, to right. get to their work location or vice versa. And they'd be in their Disney costume, if you yes, will. And yes. if you saw someone from Frontierland in Tomorrowland, you would be kind of surprised because it didn't look right. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that brings us to Disney World where they decided to build the uh, utilidor underneath the theme park. And it's a whole uh, construct of tunnels that the cast members, employees uh, walk through to get to their locations. So, and then there's all these aqueducts and things that carry trash and plumbing, et cetera, all above wow. you. Wow. So I remember walking those and they have a whole, they have the employee cafeteria downstairs, the whole wardrobe department where they provide you with your uniform costume. So it's kind of, interesting but yes oh fascinating yeah 
I love it. And, you know, the last time, well, one of the last times I was there, because I live in Florida, I had my honeymoon at Disney. So that oh, great. Oh, yeah. And so anyway, um, but they had an improv show. They were doing improv shows then. Were mm-hmm. they doing that then or not? They were. A lot of the people, like I mentioned, Sweeney Todd, a lot of the people that I performed with, we even did uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, and I recall someone in the cast was um, one of the entertainers in real life at at the theme parks, you know, who did improv with the guests, et cetera, on one of their stages. So, yeah, it wasn't. So it was people I was in attractions, you know, being a Tiki Bird host. But mm-hmm. people from entertainment would come and perform in uh, those shows, which were for uh, Disney employees only. Regular guests off the street weren't seeing these shows. This was just right. for um the the work community there at disney world oh that's so fantastic so after work you do a play i mean it was it was great fun it was great fun i did a musical called baby there and i that was an education i don't know if you're familiar with that but that's i don't know three couples trying to conceive Uh and it's all it's a whole musical i had a lot of fun i remember it was a very difficult rehearsal process but i was in the show baby i don't think it's a very fond musical people aren't very fond of it but i remember doing that at disney world as well do you have a favorite musical i mean if you could pick one that you could see over and over again because i've got one but i want to hear if you have one you know what it's funny i've i'm less attracted to musicals in my adult life i think there were many i admired when i was young okay i'll tell you a movie that i love and it's i don't know if it's a musical i think it's had a stage iteration but i'm a huge fan of the movie xanadu (laughs) with olivia newton john it's so eclectic and wild yeah and everybody's on roller skates i love starlight express that's a great one Well, I lived in Manhattan, so we'll talk about me now. Okay, no, do. Okay, this is time for me. I lived in Manhattan for over a decade in the Uh 70s, and I saw a chorus line about four times. Okay. I never tire of that soundtrack. I just feel it's, you know, about growing up and becoming, you know, a person, and there's just so much. I just love a chorus line. So, uh, you know, in my spare time, I practice the routine to one. Oh, do you? No, yeah, it's it's yeah, a great yeah. show. Great, yeah. great show, great yeah. routine. But um, so how long were you at Disney? Four years. I, I got recruited on, I discovered, it was kind of mind-blowing to me, but they uh, go to colleges to recruit seasonal uh, talent, if you will, to work at their parks. So I was recruited from Northern Arizona University the summer of 1992, and when I graduated in 94, I just packed up and left the West Coast, if you will, and worked in Orlando for four years. So, Wow. And know. during this time, were you taking improv anywhere or studying anywhere at all? Interestingly, no. There was, they have a, a huge uh, festival there. I think it's a fringe festival, if I'm not mistaken, that I had awareness of, but I never partook in it. I think I maybe saw one show there, but I was not studying it. It was not until I left Florida and moved to LA that I started actively studying improvisation. Now, is that where you met Suko? Interestingly, no, I met him online during the pandemic. <laughs> like many of us did. <laughs> <laughs> I, and before that, I mean, I have not met him in person, but met him online. But uh, in LA, he doesn't, I, he doesn't have any legs. That's the thing. There's no. Yes. Legs yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I studied at the Groundlings and Second City in LA, and this was like late nineties, early two thousands, which seems like a lifetime ago. But that's when I really kind of dug in and started studying improv. So how were you paying for your classes, Phil? Oh, probably mom. I wasn't making, I, the bank of mom, you know, yeah, which I yeah, still yeah. rely on to this day. Cause it's expensive and I'm sure it still continues to be expensive yeah. today. Yeah. Um, but I remember it cost a lot of money to be in a groundlings class. Yeah. Um, and 
when you're living in LA on your own and working at a video store, which I was at the time, <laughs> you can't afford to put yourself through those classes. So yeah, the bank of mom, I think came through many a times or dad or both. Yeah. Along the way, did you have teachers that inspired you? Hmm? Most definitely. Um, Cheryl Hines uh, of Curb Your Enthusiasm was my introduction to improv in wow. LA. And she was amazing. She was fantastic. She often would punctuate or or close scenes by saying the word fantastic. She always, that was, <laughs> I just remember she was so uplifting and fun and cheery. And uh, she uh, got cast in Curb Your Enthusiasm on or about the time I was in class with her under her tutelage. Um, so I just remember that distinctly. I remember really enjoying uh, studying under her. She was great. Oh, I bet. I bet. You know, at one point I heard that, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm was improvised. Um, mm -hmm. But I have a friend who was had a part um, and uh, he was playing a car salesman, I think. And Larry wanted to be, I don't know if you know all the episodes, Larry wanted to become a car salesman. He thought anybody could sell wow. a car. But right. anyway, so my friend that was cast as the real car salesman said, you know, he tried to improvise and Larry said, no, say this. <laughs> Interesting. Well, you uh, and I always assumed and I don't know how some of these shows oper operate, but my assumption is that a lot of that was improvised or what the process is. But yeah, I guess if you have the star of the show telling you what to do, you probably better do it. You better do it. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of works in sketches, improv to sketch. Maybe they did sure. that. Who knows? You know, but what a great show and what a great character she was. Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes, Wonderful. definitely. And what about Second City? Anybody there at Second City? Or Because the Groundlings really has such incredible graduates out of the Groundlings. Lorraine Newman came out of the Groundlings. and Absolutely. A lot of great al alumni from the Groundlings. At Second City, I actually took to studying writing there. Uh, the gentleman I studied under, his name was Ira Miller, and he was kind of uh, in circles with Mel Brooks over the years. Wow. Um, so I remember really enjoying studying writing with him at Second City when I was there. Um, and that said, I spent eight years in L.A., and and I think I just kind of lost momentum and decided to move back home to Vegas. and. At the time, ironically, Second City had a chapter here. Yes, yes. They performed at the Flamingo. And so I came back home and I still studied with the entertainers that were in the Flamingo show. They taught, you know, much like Groundlings and the right. Second City L.A., they did the same similar curriculum here in Vegas. And so I went through all five levels of that with those individuals and just had a great time. Wasn't that wonderful? It was. <laughs> so, so are we still at the Bank of Mom all that time? Or were you doing any gigs yourself that were bringing in some money? Gosh, I wish. I have this battle in my mind. I uh, And I'm sure many artists do is that it's kind of hard to find. And this is what I admire about you. I think you found the marriage of what you love to do professionally and creatively. And it's congealed together to kind of be what you do now. Um, I've worked in essentially corporate America. I work for the hospitality industry here in Vegas, and which is not a bad thing by any stretch, but I find myself longing to do something that skews a little more creatively. Uh, but I think my team realizes that um, because I'm what you might call a creative, they give me things to do that will excite me <laughs> in my workplace. <laughs> so, so the good thing is, is that what I do definitely pays the bills. So the bank of mom, my visits to the bank of mom are fewer and far between. Um, so I'm, I'm sustaining myself, but another part of me just wants to give it all up and pursue being an actor full time, et cetera. Did you go on auditions when you were in LA? Did you Go on no. any auditions? No, no, and I'll tell you why. I had a great education there, but unless you have representation, an agent, someone advocating for you, which I didn't, mm -hmm. 
um you don't go on auditions you you know because it's very unionized there unless you're a member of the screen actors guild etc or it's a non-union project um you don't it's rare that you ever get up in front of casting directors and it's a lot of who you know etc so no i can't tell you i have a recollection recollection of maybe going up for auditions related to maybe a film or television show that I can count on one hand. Um, but unless you have an agent and you're um, have some, unless you have someone advocating for you and, or at least you're in the union, it's kind of a very difficult life there, a very difficult grind. Yeah. Well, um, but you'd like to act more now. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. you like to act more now? Yeah, I like to, I love to improvise. I haven't done any anything scripted <laughs> since I can't tell you, because I guess I'm just kind of a lazy actor. I would rather create something out of nothing on a stage with people I feel safe with and uh, supported by than have to memorize something. So I do love acting and I love exploring different characters on stage, etc. But yeah, I can't tell you the last time I did a play. It was probably in Orlando, Florida that I last did a play. Yeah. Well, um, when I started improv setting improv, I also studied acting. And I was in a few plays, but I was in this one play with these really great community players, okay? And um, it was the female version of uh, The Odd Couple. Uh -huh. At one point, I forget who my character was, but there's one point where... Um, I said my line correctly, but then I skipped several pages into the play. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't That's think great. I want to do this. I'll make it up as I go along. <laughs> well, it's funny. It, once you just once you discover improv, you realize how freeing and liberating it is, and you kind of feel restricted by a script, and it's hard to kind of go back to that. And granted, there's brilliant written pieces out there but sometimes you know I'd rather play in the unknown which I know is scary to some people rather than with something that's written on a page yeah that's much scarier written on a page much scarier mm -hmm. so um your interest in writing tell me about that what are you are you writing are you working on things and I do love to write so I I've done a one-man show um called Philoween, which is essentially a collection of monologues. Um, my uh, other favorite pastime is, is I'm a huge um, fan of horror movies. And I took <laughs> that, I know, very weird. And I kind of took that fascination, my fanaticism around that, and uh, took stories from my own life. And so the show itself is just me monologizing about moments in my life that I liken to scenes from horror films. Um, my dad was a huge fan of horror movies and he exposed them to me at a very young age. And you, I don't know if you have any, you know, psychological speak around that, but it was kind of left an indelible mark on me and perhaps not in a good way. <laughs> but, um, but I'll tell you this, when I got older and I came back home after living in Florida for many years, he um he was kind of um i don't know if uh, he was kind of what you might call a distant father and i found my way of being able to communicate to him was through horror movies uh -huh. so i think i became intentionally became fascinated with them because one i think they're great but it was also a way for me to connect with my dad. So we would have discussions yeah. about them. We would go to horror movies together, et cetera. It was just a way for me to get closer to him. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's bonding. Do you um, remember some of the first ones you ever saw or the very first one? How old were you and what did you see? <laughs> so I was probably six to eight years of age and he had um, a fascination with the film Halloween uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and my dad loved to he was an attorney and was very married to his work but he would often have uh, fellow attorneys from his law firm come over and he and my mom would entertain them and then he would say wait I'm going to show you this scene from this new horror film called Halloween and he 
would uh, <laughs> pop in the movie on the VCR and play the first, you know, five, 10 minutes of it, which is Michael Myers at five years of age killing his sister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very, rather graphically, mind you. Uh, and uh, so I would be at these parties, if you will, with no way to escape, you know, seeing that scene over and over. And my dad got huge joy about seeing people uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I, he, he was just, he was kind of mischievous, mischievous in that way, but he just loved seeing people uncomfortable because he, he himself was fascinated by horror and I don't know. And that just kind of left a mark on me. So I was terrified of horror movies for much of my teen years and my early adult life until I went back and watched Halloween. And I was like, you know, there's something to this, you know, and I began to grow an appreciation and fondness for the genre and have just kind of stuck with it ever since. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I think I've seen some of your takeoffs on Halloweeny Phil. I don't know if that's what it's called, but um, Halloweeny. Um, <laughs> well, no, I love that take. Yeah, the one man show uh, is called Philoween, and I wrote a book by the same name, which I started oh. kind of crafting when I was living in LA, and it kind of sat around. But during the pandemic, I I completed Philoween, and I just started curating uh stories from the book and just speaking them live on stage so yeah i i uh, so there's a book and one man show oh well we're gonna mention that book for sure and yeah. is there is there video still of your one man show or um i think there's a few clips so if you um look me up on youtube uh ghost directive um, and also, if you go to Facebook, uh, Philoween, if you look that up, you're, you'll find content of or related to that show. Awesome. <laughs> you know, we talk horror movies when I was about, and I'm a few decades beyond you, I think, but um, I remember I was only about 12 years old or so when I saw Psycho. Uh-huh. You know, for years, and still sometimes if I'm all alone in the house, you know, do I dare close the shower curtain? You know, they have such a deep impact on you. And I use, and speaking about me again, I um, oh, often use films. I assign my patients films to watch, which might have therapeutic value to them. I haven't assigned a horror film yet, but that's on my list. I think I'll try that. Well, and it's interesting. That may be a stretch, but I find it very therapeutic in that it's almost cathartic in that seeing others in peril kind of reminds you that you're okay. Yes. You don't have it as bad as them. And I don't know if that's a great way to explore, you know, trauma or your own psychoses, but <laughs> I, I just, I just find it very cathartic just realizing that I'm not in those situations, I guess. Yeah. That sounds reasonable to me. Yeah. So what's the name of your book? Philoween as well. Um, okay. If you look it up on Amazon, um, you should probably be smarter to enter my name and you probably find it quicker, but it's Philoween, uh, My Gay Life, A Horror Movie in the Making. It's a long title, Margot. Yeah, well, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to urge everybody to start reading it right now. Get the book, come back to this podcast, and then you can listen to the rest of it. It's okay. a real, it's a real cheap read. So yeah, by, by all means, go ahead and <laughs> look it up. <laughs> real short too. So you, it, it'll, you, you can read it in a day and it'll be good. <laughs> so, so when you're doing corporate work, are you using improv in your corporate work? Uh, I do. I find a lot of those games that uh, instructors use uh, at the top of say improv class, like zip, zap, zop. Yeah or one word story, or uh, there's any number of them that help you to connect with uh, your your fellow classmates. I do that periodically. Um, we have internships uh, at our company and I find that some of those exercises, um, even using yes and and active yeah. listening exercises are fun to do in corporate environments. And I think I think not always, but I think they do resonate with employees um, because literally in life, we're just improvising anyway. 
and don't have a script. So it's kind of nice to remind people how to really say yes to their colleagues and really um, actively listen to what they're saying instead of being worried about your, you know, report that's due at five o'clock or whatever, you know. So what's the name of your company? It's MGM Resorts. Oh, nice. Yeah. Right. I don't personally have my own company, but maybe I should explore that a little bit. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I think you should. Now, um, has teaching been in your uh, life at all? Teaching improv? And we'll Quite a bit. I, uh, I taught introductory levels in various iterations at various theaters here in Vegas uh, over the last, gosh, it's been now 15 years off and on. Um, and it's great getting people kind of at inception who are not necessarily in it to become a performer. They come from every walks of life and they're just looking to maybe socialize <laughs> or uh, I've had attorneys in my class, you know, yep, and I've yep. had people from every walk of life that are just curious. Um, so it's fun getting them at its it, at inception, but I think my real love is coaching. I love coaching ensembles. Oh yeah. Groups. And I haven't done that in ages and kind of challenging them. Um, to um, really let go, if you will. I think we as improvisers are kind of um, unusual, an unusual bunch, and myself included, in that we gravitate to this and are excited about it, but many of us are inherently very shy and scared. Uh -huh. And I've been studying it and practicing it and doing it for 15 plus years, and it's such a great tool. And as I said, so liberating, but I find myself constantly saying as a coach, you know, trust your instincts. Don't judge what you just did. You know, it's a gift what you've given to your scene partner. And I think we as a society have, it's been drummed in our heads to not do anything wrong or to not, uh, fail etc but fail i say fail brilliantly you know yes. yeah, absolutely <laughs> well, you know when we're little when we're like three four years old we're so creative we've got that thing called magical thinking but once we enter that institution called school mm -hmm. very quickly the creativity is decreased significantly and that's such a shame and i um the inner child i kind of hate saying that word but you know i used to do a lot of work with the inner child because i work with addictions a lot too and mm -hmm. but finding that child self again going back to your play experience we're just playing here you know and yeah. especially if you're not setting out to be a performer just yeah. play we love it we want to play make things and up agreed i think people have lost the sense of that as they grow older and when one once introduced to improv and the teachings and 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 uh motto behind it i think they're like oh yeah this is something i've been missing my entire life and um and i'll, I'll forever be a proponent of it student of it and teacher of it uh as long as i can so well you know teachers are really the best when they're still students and we learn from our students, but taking classes is is great too. And if anybody out there is looking for a coach online right now, I think we found one. <laughs> yes. All right. I have yet to do a virtual uh, offering of it. I don't know, but you could probably teach me a thing or two about that, Margo, and how, how, you, how you navigate that, right? <laughs> it can be a lot of fun, really. It can be a lot of fun. So, um, so tell me this. Uh, and speak truly from thy mouth, Mr. Fess. Mm -hmm. um, I, I keep wanting to say, I confess I like Mr. Fess, and, and then running into the Davy Crockett song. But sure. that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love and it. I think we're weird, queer people, all of us mm -hmm. improvisers. We have to be a little bit crazy and funny and right. weird, I think, you know. So, um, and I use the word queer in the true sense. Right. <laughs> so, um, if you had your choice between teaching and performing, what would you choose? Inspiring, which I think is a little bit of both because I think when we're performing, we're inspiring others 
And I think when we're teaching, we're guiding others. Um, so I would say a little bit of both. I honestly, right now, I'm very comfortable just performing every four to six weeks as I do, because sometimes my nine to five doesn't permit me to do much beyond that. So my first joy is performing, but I think each has great, great, great relevance and magnitude. And I think you are teaching when you're performing on stage, um, inspiring an audience and perhaps maybe even your fellow players. So inspiring. You know, and you're inspiring me. I hope I get to. Oh, I want to talk a little bit now. Um, I, I was going to close, but forget about it. Uh, okay. Netflix and Phil. Oh, good. I'm so about? glad. I'm so glad you brought it up because I was on another podcast a couple days ago, and the host asked me, "Well, what do you want to plug, etc." And I completely forgot about Netflix and Phil, which is my current uh, passion, yeah. which is uh, a web series I do on. YouTube, where I invite improvisers, uh, fellow creatives on who may or may not be affiliated with Netflix properties. And we talk about improv, we talk about Netflix shows, we talk about anything under the sun, really. And I've had maybe 12 to 13 guests already. I started it mm, a year plus ago. And I'm having so much fun. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it is for you interviewing others, but there's something about it that's just so calming. I don't know. How how do you feel being an interviewer, Margo? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked me that, Doctor, because, you know, I feel I love it. And, and sometimes it's a way I get to learn new improv tricks by talking sure. to wonderful improvisers. But I love the history of improv. So I've done a lot of work with that. But I love current improvisers mm -hmm. and just meeting other people people and even though it's a podcast i always see the other person and it's just it's really expanded my universe i think i'm up to almost 150 podcasts now nice so nice and you know <laughs> oh I'm, I'm up to 500 million podcasts now you know phil right. no, but, um you're, <laughs> you're the netflix with phil i want to be on it so um i it's brilliant and it's so much fun and um so i wanted to mention that you know one of the number one things in in, on Netflix right now is that that they did a season two of you. Did you ever mm -hmm. watch you? So you is I should watch it because it has kind of horror type undercurrents. Yeah. And I I am the worst when it comes to to television series, because if it doesn't hook me like in the first episode or two, I don't watch it. But now it's been on for how long and I hear friends and colleagues rave about it so after this i should probably go pop it on and check it out he's such a creepy guy but it's num it was like that Dahmer thing became number one on netflix you know you want gore and more gore let's see more stuff that's horrible you know and, and again that uh, Dahmer i watched and um boy how do i say this again i was just uh addicted if you will it just created such a mood and um aesthetic you just couldn't tear yourself away but then but then you're reminded of the reality of what happened and the victims and many who are still are alive today who um were unhappy with the project etc it's just very interesting um dialogue that emerged after that show came on uh that platform well, thank God Ted Lasso's coming back. Yes. Uh, yay! Yes. So, um, but talking about, are there any series that you've really loved? I'm, I kind of go to Amazon a lot because I like British, I like British detective stories. And right. this guy named James Nesbitt. I'm rewatching all of his stuff. Uh, he's a great actor, I think. Wonderful. I'm um, a huge fan of kind of reality series, and Netflix has a show called. The Circle, which just concluded its fifth season. Wow. Uh, and I just find it a lot of fun. And it puts people, sanctions them off in rooms of like this apartment building, and they can only communicate via chat. 
So imagine if you're working in concert uh, with each other or against each other to be the winner of a large sum of money at the conclusion, but you're kind of, it's like Survivor where you're voting everybody out of the apartment complex, but you can't see them, one. And one of the, and some of them may be playing truthfully as themselves, or some of them may be catfishing as another identity, which is really kind of cool. So I love the circle. Okay, I better check that one out. Okay. I better check that one out. Oh, this has been more fun than a barrel full of goldfish and monkeys playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, I've had a lot. I was really looking for, and why not, I, I've met again, I've met you online and every time I'm again, just, just captivated because usually you're in character. I don't think I've never formally had a, a real person to person chat with you, but when I have encountered you, you've, you're, you're one time was when you played the, what's the name of your character that hosts the improv class? Oh, Madam um, Magniola Magnus or something else. The best improv class ever. Yes, she's wonderful. That was my first introduction to you when I when Jay invited me on and said, hey, do you want to do this with Margo? And I was like, sure. That was a ton of fun. And then we did something else recently. And correct me if I'm wrong. You came on and we were going, we were improvising in the moment and then you entered the Zoom chat and you were like getting a root canal or something. <laughs> <Is> that... <laughs> like you were getting an actual root canal at a dentist's office. And I was like, how, how brave one to be like, oh, I have to go improvise on this Zoom call while a dentist is like tooling around in your mouth. <laughs> well, and they had the nitrous on, so it was really fun for me. Okay. I, I like keeping it real. You know what I mean, man? I like to keep it real. <laughs> I just, I remember that to this day. We did that a few weeks ago and I was like, what brilliance, you know? <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. That was fun. I, I, I'm not going to do it at the gynecologist. I'll no, be- no, probably not there, but the dentist was, yeah, that was, that was sheer brilliance. Was great, yeah. <laughs> Actually, she told me she's taking my phone away from me the next time I come in. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll tell you what, this is the funnest time I've had in so long. And I hope I get to meet you in person, but our our encounters online are Mm. terrific when they happen. And I just love playing with you. You're so much fun. And do you have any um, words that you'd like to say who people who might be thinking about going out and trying improv? Not quite sure. Don't be scared. Just 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 do it. I mean, audit a class, even if you have a little bit of hesitation Um, is the least scary thing that I've ever encountered in my life. It's just been eye opening. So I would just get in there and do it and do it without hesitation. Well, thank you, Phil Fess. Yes. Till we meet again, I'll say adieu, goodbye, sayonara. (laughs) Thanks, Margo. I had a great time. Me too. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to you joining us next time on Improv Interviews with Margo Escott.